1259 so I am going to start with our introduction and getting started here so good afternoon I'm Corinne Stoll from UCF Center for Distributed Learning and I would like to welcome you to setting the stage designing for quality online learning experiences part of UCF's faculty seminars and online teaching our intention in each of these 30-minute seminars is to provide a brief treatment of a topic for online teaching this is not intended to be a comprehensive workshop with extensive description of each aspect of online courses. Rather, the aim is to connect our participants to an array of resources for more detailed follow-up. We believe that today's seminar will be successful if you walk away with at least one new idea that you can put into action with your online teaching. I would like to acknowledge the participants on site and, <laughs> and um, for those of us who are joining us online as well. Um, our, our online participants are in good hands with Dr. Linda Futch and Dr. Beth Nettles, who will be our online moderators, as well as Jonathan Pizzo, ensuring technical quality throughout the session. In the feedback form for today's session, feel free to share any unanswered questions you may have or any relevant ideas that, or resources that would benefit others, and we'll follow up with you after the session. And with that, please join me in welcoming today's speakers, Dr. Annabelle Conroy and Dr. Amy Denoyles. All right, thank you very much, Corinne. So I'm Amy Denoyles, and I'm an instructional designer at Center for Distributed Learning at UCF, and I oversee our quality initiative at CDL. And our main goal is to promote the quality of online instruction at UCF. I also make sure that our processes are aligned with the 2025 Florida Strategic Plan for Online Education. If you're dying to read that, it is available to you. Uh, let me promote this session page, dl.ucf.edu slash quality. That page uh, is where you registered, and it has all kinds of links. The strategic plan is one of them, among others, the course review items that you have in front of you. Um, online audience, you should also be able to access the course review items through, uh, through that link. So back to this poll, we asked you what was one of the most challenging uh, items for you as you decide to um, design an online course for the first time. And I tried to selectively put these items because they represent kind of different markers of what a quality online course may look like for a student. So um, all four of these items are located within either the quality course review items you see in front of you or the high quality items. So I selected a few that we're going to talk about today. Um, I can see most people are saying B, which I am not too surprised about, about module objectives, because that really gets to something deeper. What do you want your students to be able to do by the end of the course, by the end of a particular unit or a module? And that's a bit more complicated. The other ones may seem a little bit more surface, but they also have their own challenges. For instance, the syllabus includes all of the up-to-date policies. Uh, I think your policy of today, or your syllabus of today may look a lot different from five years ago. For instance, office names change, phone numbers change, policies come out, you now need to include this or that. That can be hard to keep up with um, as a faculty member. Uh, for C, the course content is readily attainable. So basically everything works. The student can get to everything. Uh, I'm sure we've all had the experience at least once where a student says, hey, that, that link in that one page isn't working. Oh, it worked for me yesterday, and now it's not working anymore. That can be a challenge. Um, 
text being properly formatted for students that may require an assistive technology or screen reader to be able to access the content, that can be challenging too. So all, f all four of these items, when included in a course, can support students to have a quality experience in different ways. Also, all four of these items, uh, I'm going to talk about a couple of tools that are within web courses that can help you get, um, get up to speed with these items too, if you're not. So our objectives is to first explore the concept of that nebulous word quality. How does it relate to online course design? And we're going to take a look at some of the items in front of you that we've created. And then Annabelle is going to talk about the experience of engaging in a course design with her instructional designer for course review. So the concept of quality. So I just grabbed a few things off the top of my head. The word quality is thrown around quite a lot, especially in like the food industry. Wendy's, you can see it is in the middle. Quality is our recipe. Well, what does that actually mean? Uh, to Wendy's, I actually went to their website, and their definition of a quality means is fresh ingredients. Okay, <laughs> I think we can all agree that for a high quality food item, fresh is probably a pretty good definition. But when you talk about something like online course design, there really is no universal agreement that the online course must look like this, 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 then it's quality. It's just not that easy. So I went to Webster's Dictionary when I was trying to figure out how do we, how do we conceptualize quality in our language. So the first definition that popped up, the standard of something as measured against other things of a similar kind, which didn't really help me that much, to be honest. And the second definition was a degree of excellent. So what does an excellent online course look like? So our intention is to support faculty to uh, include factors and practices that have been shown to uh, help students succeed online. So we have developed a quality course review process. It is a three-tiered system. So we have quality, high quality, and exemplary. And the exemplary online course uh, designation is for our annual award. Some of you may not know. We have an annual award. It's called the Chuck Jubin Excellence of Online Teaching Award. Uh, and if you want more information on that, please visit the session webpage and you can find out more details. Um, but the other, the quality and the high quality, are the items that you see in front of you. So you can use the items in the quality check first. And once those are satisfied or met, you can move on to the high quality and so on and so forth. You can use them yourself. You can contact your ID if you have one. I'll talk a little bit more about that process. So how did these items come to be? We have a task force of instructional designers. And we looked at all kinds of different rubrics. One we looked at was just our internal rubric. I'm sure most of you have been through the IDL 6543 program. We have rubrics there to determine if you've developed you know, a quality unit or module. So we looked at those items, but we also looked very carefully at some nationally recognized rubrics like Quality Matters. Some of you may be familiar with that or have heard of it. It's probably the most popular set of online standards and procedures to, um, to help a course meet a quality rating. We wanted to make sure that it was comparable to that. And then there were a few others that we kind of combed through 
thought about the culture at UCF and selected the items that we felt were most beneficial to students as a whole. So there's some tools in web courses that you may or may not know about that can help you as you, if you want to use these review items as a checklist of sorts, that can help you get there. One is called the Templator tool. This is probably the, the, the most universal tool that can really address many items that you see in front of you. So the Templator tool, when you're editing a page, so say you're editing a syllabus or a schedule or any kind of page, this is the editing toolbar that, that shows up. For the online audience, it's the two top bars. Um, there's a little triangle next to the magnifying glass. If you click on that little triangle, it pops up. It gives you more options. Click Templator. Then you're going to see different options. You'll see syllabus, schedule, course orientation, course expectations, module introduction, all kinds of different templates. Simply, for instance, syllabus, just click on syllabus, and it'll immediately autofill your page with all of the correct headings, all of the correct policies at UCF that you need to have. You don't have to go digging through different offices to figure out what you're supposed to put in there. It's just there. Then you can modify it as you need and move on. So here are just some of the items that the Templator tool can help you um, get done. Right, another one, this is, for me, this is a hidden gem, and it will make everyone's lives more wonderful, is the, what we call the link checker. If you're in the course menu on the left-hand side, the bottom one is settings, click on that, and then you will see on the right-hand side, validate links and content. Click on that, that, and then it will run a scan of your entire course, and it will give you a list of each page and each time where a link may be broken. It's usually pretty accurate from what I've seen. So you have this comprehensive list, then you can go to the page and fix the links there. So instead of having to click on every single link in your course, oh my, much sure everything works, you know you're still gonna miss one. This link checker is a godsend. And it's kind of hidden in the system too, it's not really obvious, so I wanted to point that one out. And that relates to the high quality item number 12. Proctor Hub is a homegrown tool at UCF, and it's designed to meet this, the standard in the high-quality review of upholding student academic um, integrity. And so with Proctor Hub, you can have a quiz, and if you add on the Proctor Hub option, a student will have to pull up their webcam, show, uh, they can show their license just to verify that it's in fact them taking the quiz. And it takes a picture of them every so often. And then you have the option later to go um, you know, access that record if you feel like there might be a reason why you need to do that. So that's available to all UCF faculty that use web courses. It's a free, free product, again, developed here. And finally, you do it. High quality items 17 through 25. Uh, the You Do It program can help with that. Again, it's on the course settings. Everyone should have it. Click You Do It and click Run Scanner, and it will scan your entire course, and it will come up with errors or suggestions to help improve the overall accessibility of your course. And the really great thing about it is there's some areas where you can actually fix or update your content right within the report, and it fixes it everywhere else. So one example is if you have a lot of images in your course, 
and someone uses a screen reader to read your course and there's no alternative text to go along with that image, they will not be able to understand what the image means if they cannot actually see it. So within that report, if that's an error that comes up, you have the option to type in the text right underneath, hit save, and it automatically updates it in the course. So it's, again, it's a godsend. Really, all of these items are designed not to be the be-all and end-all of everything, but really to initiate conversations with people and to just start to get, uh, basically set up the building blocks for a quality course. You'll notice that these items don't really talk about teaching. These are solely based on online course design with the idea that you can use them, um, build the foundation of a course, and then you add your personal vision, your facilitation, that's, that's all you. These are really just the ingredients to help you help you get there. So what can you do with all of these items in front of you? You can use them on the front end. So as you're developing a course for the first time, you can use it as a checklist of sorts before you teach it. Maybe you've taught it a few times. Maybe something's not quite working. Use it on the back end. See, hmm, did I actually you know, meet these standards? I think one of the most powerful things you can do is ask somebody else to look at it, whether it's a student, a TA, a peer, uh, maybe you want to review each other's courses to get a fresh perspective. Or if you have an instructional designer here at UCF, you can ask us. And um, if your course meets the quality standards or the high quality standards, if you move on, um, you'll receive a digital badge in your online course that looks very snazzy, a letter from the Vice Provost of Digital Learning, Tom Kavanaugh, and an opportunity to be identified in the Florida Shines catalog. That link to the Florida Shines catalog is on that session page. And basically, it's a, a statewide site that allows online students to find and register for distance ed courses. Your online courses are probably already there. But if uh, once it's all, once the catalog is all up to date, if you were to meet the quality or high quality standard, you would have a little you know, flag that says, says as such. Um, <coughs> but more information on that, please contact instructional designer. All right, moving on. I'm going to pass it over to Annabelle, who's actually going to talk about what it's like to engage, engage in a course design. Thank you. Um, Annabelle Conroy, I teach in political science. I'm a visiting lecturer. And um, I um, engaged in this process because um, I usually teach, there's a course I teach that is CPO uh, 34. It's called Comparative politi um, uh, Politics in Developing Areas. And I had taught this course face-to-face, -face and I had taken IDL 6543 mm -hmm. a long time ago, about 10 years ago, so a lot of things had changed. So basically, I was transforming my course from face-to-face -to, -face to online. And I had a lot of the things that I thought were, were um, positive, but I wanted to have a fresh perspective on it because... Um, I was finding that the students were sometimes, even though they enjoyed the course, sometimes they were asking quest strange questions and I was spending a lot of time answering them and sort of tutoring. And this class in particular is one that has fresh, it's open to everybody, not just political scientists. So it's um, a lot of freshmen take it, a lot of transfer students. Um, and sometimes we forget, or I do anyway, that um, for a lot of the students, even though they're very technically adept, uh, 
when they go to take uh, online courses, um, they sometimes don't know exactly what to expect. So you really have to lay it all out. It's basically for a lot of them, especially the ones that are completely online, it's just them and their computer, right? So it can be alienating. Um, so for that reason, I wanted to have a second perspective, a second opinion, and have um, my instructor, instructional designer, Amanda Major, uh, look at the course. So the way that the process worked was um, I informed her of the course that I wanted to have her look at, uh, and she took down the information. I told her of my concerns, and we set a timeline for that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, here we go. So um, we said, and this course, by oh, sorry, this course, by the way, is um, completely online. So um, I volunteered to participate when she told me about this opportunity, and I thought it was really great because, as I said, I had taken um, the IDL course a long time ago, and, and so many things have changed. So many different things are new um, that are so helpful. Um, so we had a consultation, um, and we discussed the goals for the course. Um, I wanted, for example, some of my concerns that I had were the course was very mechanical. Students were just going through the assignments, just checking them off, not really engaging that much. Um, sometimes they were, but you know, a lot of times they weren't. Um, so I told her my, my concerns. I told her what the objectives of the course were. And, and with that information, we set up a, ti a timeline. So I think it took about two weeks for her to uh, go over the course, use the checklist that we, that we mentioned before, and come up with some feedback. And we went over the feedback, and it was really very useful, uh, not just because she was looking at it with a fresh pair of eyes, but also because she had so much information on how to address the weaknesses that my course had. So it was very much a collaborative process between both of us. Um, okay. Um, so my concerns before that um, were, as I mentioned, one that um, we were sp so students were spending a lot of time navigating and asking me questions on the technical aspects, not so much on the substantive aspect of the course. Um, the other one was that they weren't uh, actively engaging in the learning process. They were just, you know, doing like, for example, discussions that we, you know, a lot of us have. They were just doing, let's say, you were required to do one main post and three replies, just doing the post and then just free basic replies, right? Um, so I wanted to make it so that they would engage more. But uh, uh, even though I thought the expectations were clear, um, because I know what I want from them, the receiving end was not clear on that. So it was good to have uh, a fresh per per perspective on that. So the changes that we made to the course were um, laying out, oh, okay, thank you, <laughs> uh, laying out the objectives more clearly. Uh, and the changes that we had, I can, I can divide into more cosmetic types and more substantive types that we'll talk about it uh, in a little bit. But the cosmetic type of changes um, are important as well because as we will see, it makes a big difference on how the information is presented. And so I'll show you uh, an example in a minute. And the more substantive one had to do with rearranging how the objective, the assignments were presented, um, laying out the expectations and connecting the dots in, in, in terms of what I expect from, what I expect from them, what the assignments are required to do, right? In other words, to explain why an assignment is there, right? Uh, because as, um, as I learned from uh, Amanda and from the, the class I'm taking, is that if students understand why an assignment is there, 
they do much better in it and they get and they engage in the material a lot more whereas if they don't understand which is was the case before in my class discussion discuss this question they will just do the minimum right but if they understand what why i'm asking it, them to do this what are the skills that i expect them to develop and i lay it out in black and white they will they will be more likely to engage in it and to do better and in fact that's really what i what i found out so the benefits to the course to the students in, in general were well first um, uh, in terms of accessibility, students being able to navigate it, particularly students with disabilities. It helped them, uh, I've heard from a couple of them, that it made it easier for them. It, it also uh, made the students more engaged because they realized what is expected of them and how to achieve it, right, more, more clear. And for me, um, it, it was a bit more rewarding to hear, to see better, um, um, assignments in terms of more engaged and better quality assignments but also it saved saved me a lot of time even though it took me some time to do all the, to uh, you know put in place and and modify all the assignments and things like that uh, it really in the long term it saved me a lot of time a lot of the things that amy was talking about really do save a lot of time and i didn't even know that they were there so <laughs> it was good to know that they were there so the changes that I that I made and that were the suggestions that were um, suggested to me, I divided into three different types. One is immediate changes, things that were more cosmetic that you can do that I could do right away. Uh, the syllabus is not there, but I should have put it up there. Um, but the syllabus is it's very that templater is very useful. That way you don't have to be you know updating. You don't have to worry about you know the information being up to date. And as we know, every semester there's something new that needs to be included, right? So with the templater, it's just you just you know, plug it in and and it's there. The you do it was really useful and it saved a lot of time because what one of the, w uh, as Amy was saying, it goes through your whole course and it identifies problematic areas, particularly for uh, p uh, students that might have some type of disability. My course, for example, had a lot of um, bold or uh, things in red or different colors. And I never thought about it, but for people that have a disability, a visual disability, it can be you know, a, a big difficulty for them. So that sort of went down and, and very quickly identified all those things. And in most cases, it's very easy to just change. It even ju you just have to click and you know, accept or reject the change, right? Mm -hmm. um, tables, that was another mm -hmm. thing that you know, for me, it was clear. But somebody that uh, you know ha had some sort of disability might not might not see it. Links that was another one, right? Mm -hmm. So um, so that you do it is you know I recommend for everybody to do that. Learning objectives that was another one that I didn't I I thought they were clear because I usually have an introduction, but they weren't explicit for the student. So from the student perspective, it needs to be clearer, right? And uh, and when we know what we want to teach, sometimes we take it for granted. So it's good to have another perspective to make it clearer. And um, just the starting page, you know, as I said, some of the students are freshmen, some mm -hmm. are transfer, they're not used to this type of system, they might have a different type of um, a system. So when they go in, sometimes even though we have the, you know, the, the menu on the side, sometimes it might be confused, they have to, you know, click on different things until they find out wh uh, where exactly wh what they have to do. Um, so I modified, those were so things that you can do immediately. Changes in the medium term were aligning the activities with learning objectives. So we all have learning objectives and sometimes we even put them in bullet form, right? But as I was saying before, if we have assignments, sometimes students don't connect the assignment 
with a learning objective. So what this does is to link one with the other so that students know why am I doing this discussion? Why am I doing this um, you know, reflection paper? What is expected from me? What, what, uh, why do I, what is the skill that I need to develop or that I will be develop at the end of this activity, right? So that takes a little bit more time because you have to sort of ch sometimes change the activity or make it, make it more explicit. The other one is develop rubrics because one of the things I know we always have a problem with is you gave a grade and then the students come back and you know, why did I get this grade? You know, I did everything that you asked for. So if you have, a, the more specific the rubric is, uh, one, the clearer it is for the students, the clearer the, 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 the expectations are, um, the less time you have to explain the, the grade that they got, um, and the more likely they will be to get a better grade because they know what to expect. So rubrics I know are very painful. <laughs> it's a very painful process to create them, mm -hmm. but they do save a lot of time. I, ha I can say for myself, the, the more specific the rubric is, the more time it saves me. I, I'm, it used to take me forever to grade, like two or three days to grade an assignment, uh, a discussion assignment for 50 people. Now I can do it in like two, uh, two hours or something like that because I just go and check, check, check. And then, you know, obviously if you want to put extra comments, you can put them, you know, but um, it's a lot easier. Uh, and the complaints have also gone down as well, so that's also a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> um, develop more interactive and active learning assignments. Um, so I used to have discussions, pose a question, discuss, right? But now, um, after getting the feedback, I realized that that the, mo the more, um, uh, and they don't like teamwork, right? So what I, what I do now is that to use the discussion assignments as a team assignment without calling it teamwork so that they'll be more likely to participate them in them, but have the objective be more specific, right? Solve a problem. Have a qu have a question that everybody needs to um, contribute to, or something like that. And that takes a little bit more time, but it really has made a difference in terms of um, their learning process as well. The feedback that I've gotten so far. Finally, the longer term, and I, I put longer term because it takes time to schedule to develop the the you know the uh, the script and to you know. Uh, See, uh, determine what you're going to put in this introductory video. But I didn't have one. I just had my name, my office hours, and so on. But the research, as I learned, says that the more the students connect with you as a person, the more likely they are to access your, your, uh, your office hours, the more likely they are to consult with you, and the less int more in intimidated they are. So that's one of the things that I haven't done, but uh, um, it's in my plans so far. And material widgets. Um, uh, Amanda showed me a whole load of uh, uh, material widgets that are sort of little, little types of things, that activities that you can include, designing ac according to your own discipline. Um, and uh, they're specific to your class, so you design it the way that you want it. And they're, they're useful for pre-test, post-test, um, you know, creative, creative activities and things like that. And those take a little more time because, you know, you have to inform, you have to work collaboratively with a team that produces them and so on. But they're uh, a really good um, uh, way for students to get more engaged in the material and to learn on their own as well, right? Um, so... Here are some examples uh, of cosmetic changes that I did. This was my um, original one on the left. Um, as you can see, I thought I was doing a good job because I was giving sort of the background of the course. And I did have, does this have like a little, hmm? 
No? Oh, a pointer. Uh, no. <laughs> okay, so um, I had the links here, right? And I thought it was clear, but it was uh, it's really too cluttered, right? So just by changing it and using the template that, um, that you have here, it makes it a lot easier for the students. And why is this important? Because the less time that they're doing this, the more time they're engaging in the material, right? And that's really what we want to do. Here's an example of the rubric that I developed. It's much more specific. So if I click on this, this comes up on their end, and so they understand what they did, what they missed, you know, what, what, what they have to do better for the next time. And it cuts down, as I said, in terms of uh, grading. It's, I can't even emphasize how much, how much it cuts down on, on time. Um, here was my introduction before. A lot of, you know, uh, sometimes we forget that we're, you know, that they're online, right? And so it, it, their eyes get tired just like ours. So just breaking it up and just making the objectives more specific leads them into the readings, right? If they know what to expect, what, what I want them to learn, they can focus a lot better in them, uh, when, when they're going through the material. Um, and finally, here's um, the, an example of one of my, my modules. Um, here's a content that I, I used to put it at the beginning in the introduction, but now I put it here so that it's one of the readings so I can be sure that they read it, right? And I introduced a reflection at the beginning of every module to just make them think about a question that has nothing to do with, uh, it's not graded or anything, but it just focuses their attention and connects to their own personal experience. Because as I learned, uh, connecting to your personal, emotional um, side of your brain makes you remember material a lot better. And I have low stakes. One of the things that, um, that, uh, that they recommended for me was that um, to include low stakes um, uh, assessments. Um, assessments in which it's okay if you don't do well, um, but it helps you learn as well in the process of learning, right? So the first few quizzes that I have are quizzes that you can take two times and, um, and the highest of the grade, uh, of the grade counts. So it, it helps them learn how to navigate the quiz for those who have never done it before. But it's also low stakes because it doesn't matter if they don't do well in the first one. They know that they can still take it again. But they already learned by looking at the questions. They know what is, uh, wh what is expected from them, what they should have learned, and what they didn't learn. Okay, and th that's about it. And mm -hmm. I wanted to also emphasize that this has been really useful. And I always and uh, and I wanted to suggest that if you are going to do it, to do it sometime in April or May, sometimes before the summer, because I did mine. I think it was October, November. And despite my best intentions of doing things in the in the in the winter break, that didn't happen. <laughs> Most of it didn't. So um, if you are going to do it, May, uh, April, and May are a good are a good time to do it. I would think. So those are my um, my learning my the things that I learned and if you have any questions I'll be glad to answer them thank you thank you thank you very much Annabelle and Amy so at this time um, we can move into our question and answer session um, so if any of folks in room have any questions for Annabelle and Amy please feel free to raise your hand and I can pass you the microphone um, also for our online audience please feel free to um, put your questions into the chat and we will address those as well So I have two questions from the um, online participants. Mm -hmm. um, the first question was um, from Amanda. Are the high quality rubric items more challenging than the quality rubric items? That's 
That's a really great question. I think your intuition would say the high quality should be more, but it's actually the the before you can really look at the high quality items, you need to look at the quality items first. Some of the quality items I think are more challenging than some of the high quality items, but you need those items to build a foundation of a course. Um, some of the high quality items though are more challenging, like the, the critical thinking and self-assessment and things like that. So I wouldn't say that the high quality course review by itself is more challenging than the quality review. It's just building on the foundation that the quality review provides. All right, so my second question, I've, uh, this is the most questions I've had in a number of years. Um, this one says, uh, I actually have had complaints for using rubrics even though they're highly detailed on discussion posts. They said they wanted more individualized feedback. Do you have any suggestions for how to address that? I usually do um, uh, put one or two lines. Um, and uh, what I do uh, when I have a large class, when, when I have a 24 student class, it's not too hard. But what I've started doing in my larger classes is I give um, uh, uh, feedback for the group as a whole. So let's say every group has um, uh, eight students, uh, participants. I give, uh, and it's group one. I post something that is, a f is that is feedback for the group as a whole. And in my class, usually the, the, the groups are hold together for several weeks, so they get to know each other. So I give feedback for the whole group. That way I don't have to do it for each one, but it's also individual to that group. So they sort of can identify the strengths and the weaknesses of that particular discussion. And that also saves a little time as well. All right, and my last one is um, to earn the quality designation, do you need to meet each item in the checklist? No, you do not meet, need to meet each item in the checklist. Uh, uh, obviously, a majority would be good. We, we do have, <laughs> we have, we have a scoring system in the background that just kind of helps uh, determine 80% uh, for lack of a better percentage or higher is what would earn the quality designation. And it's a good time to say, it's not like it's a one-shot thing where if you don't reach 80% the first time, oh, sorry, too bad. This is really just, um, these items are really just a way for everyone to get on kind of a common, use a common language, common platform, get some feedback. An instructional designer that you're working with, if you're working with one, is happy to review it again. So really this is a, you know, a continuous improvement process. So no, you do not have to meet every single item. Yeah. And also with the feedback that you get, like I was missing a few things, but with the feedback I received as I changed it, then it became eligible for the, um, you know, for the uh, badge, right? Mm -hmm. All right, any additional questions? So, all right, um, thank you all for coming. Um, before you go, or as you would like, please feel free to complete the session feedback form and also for our folks online right now. Um, the feedback form is located at dl.ucf.edu slash feedback. It is on the slides here and I believe um, participants will also receive a reminder URL to fill out that feedback. Um, your feedback is very valuable, so we appreciate you um, filling those out. And also you guys can suggest future sessions for anything you would like to see in the future as well. So don't forget to also check out the supporting materials website that is also at dl.ucf.edu slash quality. Um, there are digital copies of the quality and high quality course review rubrics um, 
folks on site here got them as handouts. Um, for those online, they are located on that website, along with links to lots of the web courses at UCF tools that you saw today, such as the Templator tool, You Do It, and more. Oh, yeah, I wanted and to mention one. I'm so sorry. Oh Can no, I jump in? Okay. The objective, the module objectives, the one that was the most you know, populated in the beginning, There, uh, we have a tool called the Objective Builder that helps you walk through and build um, an objective one by one. That link is also on the session page. I forgot to plug that. <laughs> yes, no, that is perfect. So pretty much everything that was either asked or discussed today, um, all those materials are on there. So hopefully um, you guys find those helpful. And of course, if you have additional questions or would like something more specific or tailored to you and your course and your students' needs, by all means, contact your instructional designer or just us at CDL in general, and we are happy to help you. So with that, thank you all for coming. Thank you. <laughs>